We're on a series of lessons on Sunday morning called the Book of James, and so we're challenging you to maybe just check out and, and, and go to the Book of James, and it's only five chapters, and you can read it and kind of get ahead, maybe get some insight. You can read it several times during the course of this, uh, this series, and uh, we're not going line by line, but we're taking key thoughts, I, I think, that are important for us to kind of dig a little deeper in and kind of just going around it for, uh, uh, you know, for, this, for, for several weeks now. We've already been at this. will be our third week. We'll have many more coming up. But today we want to just dig in on one scripture and build an entire uh, thought today that, that, that I, I pray you, you really get it because it is a Bible thought from the very first of the book, uh, first of the book in the Bible, Genesis, to the last book, Revelation. And, and here's what we'll see today, that God is only good. Can, can you say that with me? God is only good. Um, let me just, right off the bat, let me just tell you, God's not your problem. Uh, you know, so many times people, people go through life and we go through challenges, we go through difficulties and we, we go through seasons and somehow, you know, even Christians is really what I'm talking about, thinking that God's my problem, that God's against me. He somehow, I've done something to tick him off. Somehow uh, he's against me right now in this season of my life. I've, I'm not really maybe who he, he, he thinks I am or who I think I'm supposed to be at this stage of my life. I'm, I'm still struggling. I'm still messing up a little bit, still not everything I need to be, and, and yet we somehow think that because you are in the process of what we might call biblical term, sanctification, you know, you're working out what he's worked in you, that somehow God's keeping you at arm's length, and he's, he's good to that person, but, but he, he would never be good to me. And, and so today, let's just dig into the scripture, and wherever you're at in your journey, let's just maybe, again, I know it's hard for all of us to do it, but maybe like throw some stuff out of your head today, and allow God and his thoughts to come into your head, and the Bible says, if you will renew your mind, you will be transformed. Come on, you will be transformed today. Something will start working in you, a new seed will get planted in your heart, and it'll start coming up uh, maybe different and producing a different kind of fruit than you have experienced up until now. Our key scripture today, look it on the screen or turn in your Bible there or your phone, James 1.17. I'll read it from the New International Version. Look what it says. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Wow, the, the, the grammar there in, in, the, in the Greek, the, the New Testament is written in Greek. That's the only reason I say that. And the grammar for the phrase coming down means present tense. It means it continually comes down. It's always going to be constant. It's the, it, the water from heaven, the flow from heaven is never going to shut off for you. God is continually pouring down good and perfect gifts for you and for me. If it's good, if it's perfect, it's coming down from the Father of lights. Can I get a good amen? Never running out. I mean, just never running out. Stuff that we have, you know, our gas runs out in our car. Sometimes our patience runs out. Sometimes our energy level runs out. God's goodness never, ever runs out for you. Every good and every perfect gift continually comes down from heaven, from one source, from God Almighty. That means amen. Come on, give me a little bit of that right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at four thoughts on the screen. Want to get from this scripture? We can see it, but let's go over again because we like to drill down. We like to think about stuff for a long time. Look what it says. Number one, God the Father is above. 
He's above. God is above. That's important for us. I Meaning he's the highest authority. There is no one greater. So when it comes to your and my life, we've got to cross the bridge. We've got to cross the chasm, if you will, to say that he is above. He is above me. He's above my thoughts. He's above my will. He's above my body. He's above my present. He's above my future. He's above my past. God is above all. So I set you high above me. So if my thoughts are going to be what you want, I've got to think like you. I've got to act like you. I've got to talk like you. If you're my father, I've got you in me. If I am your son, which you are. So I can talk like you. I can act like you. I can, I, I can learn from you. He is above. He is my mentor. He has got to be the number one mentor in your life. Secondly, from the scripture, we see God is the father of lights. He's the father of lights, meaning he is the creator. He gives insight. He gives knowledge and revelation. There, there, there's no darkness in him. There's no darkness in him. He, he's, when you read the, the account in Genesis, the first thing God did was he made light. Then after that, he made the sun. It's interesting. He made the light and he said it was good. What does that mean? He made the sun after that. The sun is what sets up us so that we can see and we can, we can feel warmth and the planets and all that. It's, it's one of our, a part of you know, a, a planet in our solar system. But it said God gave light. The light he gave was insight and revelation where you and I, every human on the earth, can see and can know God. The we can know God. Come on, everybody. Man, we find from this number three that every good, we've said this, and every perfect gift comes from the Father. Uh, what, what it means is that he is intrinsically, whatever that word is, he's, he's intrinsically excellent. He's intrinsically pure. There's nothing, there, there's no darkness in him at all. There, there is nothing where he'd be good to you that all of a sudden one day he'd be bad to you. L listen, he, he is good and everything that's perfect is coming from him. Everything that is just excellent, Beside, we can't even think in how excellent he is. And he's not just excellent and good to you. He's excellent and good to everybody. Man, last thing we see from James 1.17 is that God never changes or shifts his position. Through the course of my life, I've changed and shifted my position lots of times. I got some new information, changed the way I thought. I've, I've got some new perspective, changed the way I felt. I, I, I just grew in some things, and my position changed for good. And then some of our positions over time changes for bad, changes in, in a different direction. We've seen it both ways. God's position never changes. We've got 66 books that tell us who he is. That is who he will always be. Come on, he is, come on, somebody say he is good. Come on, he is, come on one more time, he is good. I love the account in Genesis, it says this, when God saw the light, the planets, the space, he saw the animals, he saw the lands, he saw the vegetation, and here's what it said, God saw everything that he made, and it was very good. It was very good. Come on, he saw you, and he said it was very good. So what I know, look on the screen real quick, what he made came from who he is. What he made came from who he is. God is only good. When he made the earth, it was good. When he made you, it was good. When he made the animals, it was good. When he made the planets, it was good. It was good because he was intrinsically pure and good, only good. 
So some of us are, I, I, I think we're struggling with this a little bit because we go through seasons. And sometimes it's not like you do. You don't see God and you don't feel God. And you might kind of feel like you're, you know, you're on the island all by yourself or you're, you're the Forrest Gump of life and you're running and your beard is growing and your hair is getting long, but you ain't really doing nothing. And you're just kind of going through life and you're checking in and checking out. And it's the same thing and you drive the same way to work and you go home the same way and you shop the same place. And, and this is my life and I, and I get the three weeks off of vacation, but we don't ever do nothing and my life is the same. And all the while, we sometimes think God is never going to be good to me. God, I must have done something wrong. I must have ticked you off. And God's always trying to bring you close to him so he can pour out his goodness in your life. Would you just receive his goodness? Man, man. Check us out. Matthew 7, 11. Jesus says this. If you then, being evil, and when he says evil, he means your character, man's character compared to God's character. If you then, being evil or natural, just human beings that <laughs> were not God, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more? You know how to take your children and give good things to them? You want to provide for them? You want to, you want to maybe treat them better than you were treated growing up? And you want, to, you want to take care of them as best you can? You know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more will your Father in heaven give good things? Notice, give good things things to you, you just, you just ask him. You just ask him. Uh, so maybe you and I aren't seeing the goodness of God in our lives in a lot of areas because we're just not bold enough to ask him. James, later in James 4 says, you have not because you ask not. So how about we just get real bold and courageous and say, Father, I'm hearing Pastor Gary up here saying today that you're good. And I see this, that every good and perfect gift's coming down from you. So I'm just going to set myself up for the next several weeks. I'm going to start asking you to do some things in my life that I haven't asked up until now. And what would happen if you do that? Lord, I'm asking that you help me at my job and help me excel so I can get a raise. Come on, how many know that would be a good thing? Uh, help me be loving, Lord God. I'm asking you for your goodness in my life, for my spouse and, and my kids. And, and whatever it is maybe that you're struggling with or whatever it is that you're challenged with right now, and you just make that a prayer to God, and you start seeing God's goodness poured out in your life in all kinds of ways. That's not all right, everybody? Come on, let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, the Bible defines, look on the screen real quick, the Bible defines God's goodness in two ways. It's interesting, just two ways. Here it is. One has to do with his character, and the other focuses on his actions. Two ways the Bible describes the goodness of God, his character and his actions. So let's talk about it real quick. Psalm 119, verse 68. It says this, you are good, and you do what is good. You are good. The psalmist speaks of God. You are good, and then you do what is good. Again, character and action. So the first part of the verse focuses on the fact that God is just by nature good. You are good, meaning you're the origin of good. You're excellent. You're intrinsically good. Everything you do is pure, like we found out. It's, it's interesting, this definition of goodness here. A couple different translations in the Hebrew. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It means this, that he is morally excellent, morally excellent. He is extraordinarily beautiful. That's in this word. He is deeply glad 
and he is extravagantly bountiful. One more time. You are good. Okay, when I say you are good, God's hearing. God's hearing. I'm morally excellent. I'm extraordinarily beautiful. I am deeply glad in my relationship with you, and I am extravagantly bountiful to you because you're my child. You are good. So over and over, you'll see there's a whole psalm that, that, that over and over talks about your mercy endures forever and, and you are good. Over and over, you'll see the word good and mercy, these words connected together. Uh, there was a guy that came to Jesus, and he was a wealthy man, and he came to Jesus talking about eternal life and a couple of different things. And, and he actually called Jesus God. And, and this is what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 18. He said, no one is good but one, God. God. No, no one's good. There's only one person good. And so when we look at, and, and again, we all grown up, and I say it all the time, man, man, look at that. That was some good food. Come on, how many know that wasn't morally pure and excellent? Come on, somebody. It was, uh, my goodness is tainted, and, and, and our goodness is tainted because we're just humans, and we're not God, but, but God is morally good. He is beautiful. Everything he does is extravagant. How he made you, how he intricately wove you together, and how you and I can do what we can do on the earth, and how we can think, and our body functions. And Come on, anybody go down the highway, and you're going, man, all these people going down the highway 80 miles an hour. Dear Lord, this is God in work. Come on, somebody. This is God in action. We're, nobody's crashing. They're texting. They're talking. They're doing, and, and everybody's going down the road. I'm thinking, God, you're good up in here on 805 this morning. I see God's goodness all the time. So, so by, by, listen, by character focuses on, listen, the nature of God. You are good by character, but then you do good. You do good. So it's one thing for somebody to have good character. It's another thing for somebody to have some good actions. They're just a good person, but they don't ever do anything. They sit at home all day. They're just good. They're just good people. No, but, but he is good, his character, but then also his actions. So again, the second part of this definition focuses on what he does. And again, it's interesting that you'll see the goodness and the mercy of God connected over and over in the scripture, meaning God's actions, that he is kind, he is merciful, he is generous, he is compassionate, he is faithful. He's going to be faithful to his word. He, you, you can count on God's steadfast love for you. You run away from him, he's going to be there chasing you down. He's never going to turn his back on you. Listen, never. We sing all the songs that we sing this morning. He's going to come out even in the fire. You might feel like, I'm in the fire. Where's God? Right there in the middle of the fire with you. He's never, never, ever not going to be with you. Come on, everybody. To the very end. He protects, he blesses, he loves, he delivers, he saves, he heals, he restores, he renews. That's just who he is. He's good. Come on, everybody. He's good. So we see his character and we can see his actions over and over in the Bible. He healed. Jesus was God in a body. God was skin on. He healed people. He, he restored people. He loved people. All the outcasts, he was there bringing them up. That's exactly who he will be to you. Don't read the Bible and then say, that was then, this is now. God, I'm out here working in Chula Vista, San Diego, and so that was 2,000 years ago, but God's not going to do anything with me now. No, no, no. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, everybody. Come on. And today, can I tell you, today there are people all across the world receiving God's goodness. And listen, all I want is that to be for you and for me. 
I want it for you. But I got to think, Lord God, your character is good, but your actions are always good. And so, so it's not just that you're good just for yourself to be good. You're a good God. And I know, you know but, but you're a good God up in my life right now in every season of my life. You know, I've been in, I've been serving God, you know, uh, again, just, you know, my whole life almost, like I say, but really kind of on, on, on high test uh, since, uh, since 1980, gave my heart, you know, really back to God, got filled with the Holy Spirit. My life completely changed, new direction. And through every season of our life, even getting married, you know, 35 years serving God, you know, and, 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 and longer than that now, since 1980, how long? The 38 years, uh, 39 years, I'm losing my math, uh, 35 years married, 34 years in ministry, all through these different seasons of life. Listen, I have never not seen God be faithful. Never. There's been challenging times. There's been difficult times. There's been times that you wring your hands going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. But at the end of it and in the middle of it, you could still go back and see God was good. He was merciful. He was kind. He was generous. He worked things out when you didn't think he could get worked out. Come on. How, come on. How many know God can unscramble the eggs? They say nobody can, but come on. How many have seen God do it? Come on. Check out Psalm 136, 1. Oh, give thanks. Come on, let's read this out loud. Come on, 136. Come on, one, two, three, read. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Come on, one more time. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Come on, give thanks. Every day you need to get up and just lift your hand and go, thank you, Lord, I'm breathing today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Listen, the proper response to God always is, thank you. I give thanks. Thank you for my marriage. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my church. Thank you for living this country. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for strength. Thank you for health. Thank you. Thank you. Because when it's gone, when it's gone, and if it ever goes, you'd be grateful when it comes back. When it comes back. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Check it out. For his mercy endures forever. So we give praise and thanks to God because he is good. You're just good. So I'm going to praise you. I'm going to magnify you. You're good. I'm just going to thank you. And again, this word mercy, we've talked about it a couple times. This word mercy here, again, his mercy endures forever. Mercy here means his steadfast love. His steadfast love. His, his goodness. His kindness. His faithfulness endures forever is what it says. You give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy, his steadfast love, his kindness, his generosity, it's, it's just going to be forever. So, so I am going to get up in the morning. I'm going to go through the day, whether I see it or don't see it. I hear it or I don't hear it. I feel it or I don't feel it. I am going to be the person, and I want you to be the person, that says every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father. Man, of heavenly lights. Man, he, he doesn't change. He doesn't shift like a shadow. He is always the same. So if you were good for them, you're going to be good for me. If you were good a year ago to me, you're going to be good again right here, right now. You just never change. So my response to God will always be, thank you for your goodness. Come on, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness. I'm just recounting. Come on, anybody just kind of like, listen, what you need to do is you need to have like a little hallelujah party up there in your house every now and again. 
I don't know about you, but I get a little hallelujah party every now and again in my house in the morning. Got a little cup of coffee. And it's just like, God, I'm remembering what you. Listen, the Bible talks about remembering what he did. Remember, bring to mind, call to memory what he did. I remember when you got me off drugs. I remember when I was going the wrong way and you shipped. I remember that relationship you brought. My, I remember that job you got. I remember that, that, that when Kimberly had miscarriages, you, got, you, you gave us some other kids after that. I remember you providing here. I remember you showing up there. I remember. And I'm just going to say I remember and thank you. Come on, somebody. Thank you. Come on, don't make me do your praising for you. Come on, somebody. Matthew 5, 45, God's Word translation. Check it out. Jesus says this. This, this is just freak out the religious people. <laughs> Jesus said this. He makes, God makes the sun rise on people, whether they're good or evil. He lets the rain fall on them, whether they're just or unjust. Wow. <laughs> this is who God is, always, forever. Never changing, never shifting, James says. Never turning. Listen, when they do nothing to deserve it, God says, I will always be good. Wow. I don't know about you, but I get ticked sometimes when God's good to somebody I don't think he should be good to. <laughs> Any true believers up here in church? Come on, come on, come on. Anybody, anybody else? Help a preacher out up here. Like, God, how could you do that for them? You must not know what they're doing. Let me help you out. Let me send you a text. Come on. So how many know he knows everything? He's going to be good and the just and the unjust. Come on, everybody. Quit trying to play God. I love this scripture in the Old Testament. Maybe some of y'all haven't read it for a bit. Um, it's in the book of Exodus, and it's Moses, and they built the tabernacle. So the tabernacle simply means a portable church. It's a tent. They had all the, all the stuff that made, you know, went into the Solomon's temple, the, the permanent building. But they went, you know, everywhere they moved, the tent moved with them, you know, cloud by day, fire by night. Moses would go into the tent. It's a crazy story. You know, Moses would go into the tent in, in Exodus 30, 33. And when he went into the tent of meeting with God, a cloud came down, the glory cloud, the presence of God. It's like God showed up right there. It's amazing. You should read it sometime. Uh, but Moses is having this discourse with God, and, and Moses' heart is just passionately uh, um, just connected with God and wants God to just show him and lead the nation because, uh, come on, they've gotten, out of, they've gotten out of Egypt, but how many know Egypt hadn't gotten out of the people yet? Uh, th there was a process, and the process was, you know, 40 years, and, and everybody that was 20 years old and older actually died in the wilderness because they couldn't let go. So can, let, 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 let me help you this morning. The quicker you let go of whatever's trying to hang on to you is the quicker you're going to see God be good in your life. You got to let go. You got to let go. You just got to let some stuff go. Come on. I, if I was preaching like T.D. Jakes, I'd say, touch your neighbor and say, let go. Come on, somebody. But since I'm white and I can't do it like that, I can't say it. But, but, but touch your neighbor and let go. I don't know. Come on. What do you think, Ray Lissa? Could I? Should I? She's shaking her head. Uh, some of these guys in my small group, they know me. They know, they know, they know who we're about. Check this out in Exodus 33, verse 18. Moses is having this dialogue with God, and he just says something crazy. Check out what he says. He says to God, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. Then here's what God says. I will make all my goodness. Come on, somebody yell goodness. goodness. Pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. 
Moses, Exodus 33, he's having this intimate conversation with God. The presence of God's come down like a glory cloud. He's talking to God. I mean, the scripture says God talked to Moses face to face. It's crazy. Face to face. And in this encounter, he just says, please show me your glory. Now, I, I don't know what he had been seeing up until then. But we got fire that would keep them warm at night. We got a cloud that would keep them cool by day. We got a presence that we, we, got, we got fog up in here. We got mister that kind of makes the lights shine a little bit. But God's power and glory came in this tent. And Moses says this, show me your glory. Uh, I, I think we think of God's glory. I do. as his presence, his power, his majesty. It's like, come on, if you've ever been to the church services, like we have night services sometimes, we just go, whoo, come on, somebody. God showed up. God showed up. God showed up. Man, the presence of God was thick, man. You could cut it with a knife. I've, I've, I've seen people healed instantly. I've seen all kinds of stuff all the time. God showed up. But he says, show me your glory. And God's response is, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you. God's glory is displayed in God's goodness. God's glory is displayed in God's goodness. Anywhere you've seen God be good to you, you can say, the glory of God showed up in my life right here. His glory. I didn't know what I was going to do. God gave me some wisdom. I didn't know where, all that situation, God brought me a relationship. I, I, God opened the door that shut that door. God saved me. I should have been killed in the train, come on, in the car wreck, but God spared my life. God's glory is displayed in God's goodness. And I love what it says here because it tells us how God thinks. He says, I'll be gracious to whoever I want to be gracious to. And I will have compassion on whoever I want to have compassion on. And what we have a problem with concerning others, and maybe you have this problem concerning yourself, is that sometimes we just look at and we go, well, that just ain't fair. That just ain't fair. But God doesn't work on what's fair. God operates out of his nature, and he is always good. That'd be a good place to say amen right there, yeah. Uh, for the next you know, couple of minutes, on what, what I want to do, and just kind of closing, just, 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 just talking, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about a, a, an account from Matthew 20. It's a parable, and then I want to look at, just talk about a story from the Old Testament that maybe a lot of us aren't familiar with. Matthew 20 it talks about a parable that Jesus tells. And again, a parable is that everyday example that the guys and the gals that followed Jesus could really understand and know, not have to, you know, they didn't go to school, didn't give me understand everything, could just figure it out. He tells a parable. The headline in your Bible, Matthew 20, would be this, the parable of the workers in the vineyard, the workers in the vineyard. And Jesus tells a parable. There was a landowner. He owned acres and he starts to hire guys to work in the field. Uh, and he goes out early in the morning, and, and he hires guys at 6 o'clock in the morning to, for a certain wage to, to, to work. 
And so he hires him, and the guy goes out in the field and starts working. And as the landowner goes towards town, something, he sees people standing around, and, and he hires guys at 9 o'clock, some more. He goes back, and he hires some more at 12 o'clock. And, and then he goes back around, you know, the marketplace and around, and sees guys still hanging out. He hires more at 3 o'clock. And he tells them, well, you know, go, go work in the field, and, and, and whatever's right at the end of the day, I'm going to pay you. Whatever's right. And then he goes back. It's crazy. It, it says the landowner goes back at 5 o'clock. 6 o'clock's quitting time. He goes back at 5 o'clock, and he finds a couple guys, something standing around. And he, he then hires them to work in the vineyard. 6 o'clock shows up, quitting time. Guys come in, put the time cards, you know, bloop, click out. Here we are. And the owner says, we're going to pay the guys that came in last first. And so the guy that showed up at 5 o'clock, that worked one hour, he paid, and he gave him a full day's pay. He worked one hour. If you're sitting there and I'm sitting there, I'm going, this is my day, baby. He worked one hour and he got, full, he got a full day's pay. Whew. I've been here all day, baby. I'm going to go buy me some new shoes today. <laughs> Carne asada tonight, baby. Come on. We ain't eating bologna tonight. The guy that showed up for one hour, five o'clock, he paid him a full day's wage. The guy that worked for three hours, he paid him a full day wage. The guy that worked for six hours, he paid him a full day's wage. The guy that worked for nine hours, he paid him a full day's wage. The guy that he hired first, that worked 12 hours, he got the same exact wage. They were furious. They were furious. And here's what the scripture says, the landowner said, and this is what God says in Matthew 20, 15. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? I hired you at six for a day's wage. Did I not pay you what we agreed upon? I hired you at 9 a.m. Did I not pay you what I and we agreed upon? And if a guy works one hour and I, out of my goodness of my heart, want to bless him because I know what's going on at the house that you don't know because I'm good and you're morally excellent sometimes and you're thinking from a natural perspective sometimes. But when you and I start questioning God, how could you be good to them? Don't you know? We're really operating out of our flesh and we're trying to be God. Listen, God is good to everybody. Now I fully believe from the scripture, you can cooperate with God and you can see more of his goodness in your life. I fully believe that. But the bottom foundational understanding for all of us is he's good to all. He's just good to all. The Old Testament tells a story in the book of, uh, of Samuel that there's a dude named Mephibosheth. If you say it three times, you're probably speaking tongues. Um, if you're having trouble speaking in tongues, you know, get you going to prime the pump. 
uh, Mephibosheth. He, he was the son of, of Jonathan, the grandson of, of Saul, King Saul. He was actually, the story says that he was five years old when his father Jonathan and his grandfather Saul were killed on the same battlefield. Jonathan was actually killed and Saul actually was wounded, but he committed suicide. He took his own life. Uh, the culture of the day, if you've read the Bible and kind of you've seen maybe some movies too, it, it's, it's the same. The culture of the day was that when uh, the, the, the ruler was defeated, they would actually come in and kill all the, the lineage so that nobody would rise up and take the throne and try to steal it back. But Mephibosheth survived. Here's what it says happened to him. The scripture says this, when he was five years old, the report came that Saul, his grandfather, and Jonathan, his dad, had been killed in the battlefield. And when the child's maid heard the news, she picked him up and she ran. But she was running so fast that she tripped and she actually fell on him and his legs were broken and he became crippled. Mephibosheth was heir to the throne and it never happened. The Bible says this when you read the account. Years later, somehow, someway, years later, Mephibosheth had grown, of course, and David just simply, the scripture says this, he's inquiring, just says, hey, does anybody, y'all remember Mephibosheth? I know he's alive. Where, where, where's our brother living? And they, they did an inquiry, and they found out where he was and bring the report back to David. And so David has the guys go out and get Mephibosheth and bring him back up in here to the king, to the throne. And, and, and if you're Mephibosheth, how do I, if I'm Mephibosheth, I'm thinking, he, he's let me live all this time, but, but I'm probably going to be killed today. They found where he was, brought him back. Again, he didn't know if he's going to be alive or die, didn't know if he's going to be killed right there in front of David. That's happened many times. So he's a cripple. He lost his family and his heritage. And the scripture says this, he was living in a desolate place called Lodabar. Now check it out. In the Old Testament, a lot of these names mean something. The name Lodabar actually means land of barren nothingness. He was living, should have been the king one day, but his dad and his grandpa died in the same battlefield. The maid picked him up and ran, now I'm crippled. Now I'm wounded by something that was out of my control. Not just wounded, but maimed for my entire life. And my life's probably going to be over right here. I've, 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 I've separated myself from everybody, and I'm living in the land of barren nothingness. One theologian said that Mephibosheth had been reduced to having nothing. And you might look at your life today thinking, that's me. That's me. You might not know on the outside, I'm looking okay up in here, put a little perfume on, got to get my hair a little bit. I'm, but I feel like I'm living in a land of barren nothingness. Can I tell you something? I believe God brought you here for me to read this scripture to you right here. Check out 2 Samuel 9, 7. David says to Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you 
because of my promise to your father Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Come on, somebody say amen this morning. Mephibosheth, if you read the account, his response to David was, why would you even notice me like a dead dog? That's what he called himself. I'm a dead dog. You know what's interesting? David never answers that statement. He just says, no, 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 no. He gave him all his grandfather's land. All the produce that came from the land was repaid back to him. He then, in an instant, had servants and maids, and every single morning and every single lunch and every single dinner, he came to eat with King David for the rest of his life. Listen to me. God wants you to understand he desires to bless you only with his goodness. Check it out. Check it on the screen. Let's check out what the name Mephibosheth means. Help me back there. Mephibosheth actually means, in Hebrew, one who destroys shame. The end of shame. It's the end of shame. It's the end of shame. And I've really never seen this until studying this out. And again, everything we've said for the last 35 minutes or something come down to this in the last two minutes. Could you be in a position today not receiving the goodness of God because of past shame? You don't know what I've done. You don't really know who I am. You don't know where I'm at. He was lame because he was dropped, limited, stuck. Listen to me. Today, no, no, no jumping, no spitting, no whatever. Just, I, I'm prophesying to you today. Listen to me. Today, your lameness and your shame stops. You can go and be and do everything God wants you to do because He is good. He's good. So come on, right there, lift your hand. Would you do that? Close your eyes, lift a hand up to heaven, would you? All across the room. Father God, today, come on, just say it with your mouth. I receive your goodness. Come on, I receive your goodness. I receive your goodness. Come on, no shame. Shame's gone. Shame's ridden from your life. The goodness of God, Mephibosheth, it means he who destroys shame. The end of shame happened to this man. It's happening to you. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The land of barren nothingness changes today. Your horizon changes. Your place changes. Your placement and position in God changes today. No longer thinking like Mephibosheth, I'm a dead dog. No. God is going to show you his goodness because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Every good and every perfect gift continually comes down from the Father of lights. There's no shifting. There's no changing. There's no altering.
that God wants to be good to you. Whether you've worked in the field for 11 hours or whether you've been here for one hour, God wants to be good to you. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Today, Father God, we pray every person is going to enter into a new season of your goodness. We're going to see doors open. We're going to see doors shut. We're going to see addictions stop in our lives. We're going to see you do things for us that we haven't seen up until now because you are the Father above. You are our loving, heavenly Father. Come on, with your heads bowed one more time, your eyes closed. Come on, give everyone the right to privacy in the room today. We said earlier, God's not your problem. Maybe you've shaken your fist a time or two at God and thinking that I, I, He would never want me and, I, and I, He's against me. But God's, on the contrary, as we've heard all morning, He's for you.